0: And blessed this morning to have the MJBI director of operations, director of operations, a man named Kent Pace. Kent is also the pastor of a local church called Church for You. And so, I just like to ask you to give the Lord a, a round of applause. Thank you for this blessing, this man, Kent Pace.
1: Well, praise the Lord. It's good to be here with you this morning. I see some faces that I recognize and know. God bless you, Brother Andre. It's great to see you. I hadn't seen you since Bible college. Thank you so much, Greg. Appreciate the elders of the church, Joe. And I want to thank God for Pastor Allen and Yvette Lotta giving me the opportunity to speak to you all. Count it a great honor to be here. Don't take it lightly that I would be here to bring forth the gospel. It's a great day. Amen. I want to praise the Lord for our praise and worship leader and the praise team. Let's put our hands together for all. Without praising the Lord, there would be no breakthrough and there would be no open windows of heaven. Hallelujah. I tell you, we got into some Tahila praise this morning. <laughs> so His presence is surely here. He said that He would inhabit the praises of His people. Amen? So I want you to be expectant today. Be expectant because His presence is here. The Bible says we're two or more gathered together in His name. He is surely in our midst. May we pray. Dear Gracious and Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, giving you thanksgiving and praise that you are here for where you have said two or more gathered together in your name that you shall be in our midst. We want to thank you, Lord, that you are in our midst even now. Lord, I ask you to open our hearts Open the eyes of our understanding that we could see and know the hope of your calling and the riches of your glory. Thank you, Father, for Generations Church. Thank you for Pastor Allen and Yvette Latta. Bless them, Lord, as they're on their time of refreshing. And Lord, I just pray right now over this flock. Lord, I ask you to touch every heart, minister to, pour out your spirit and bless each one exceedingly, abundantly above all that they could ask, think or imagine. According to the power that is at work and working within them now. Our faith is connected with you, Lord. And we thank you that our faith overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even that faith that you've given us. We want to thank you and praise you that faith is alive and it is working even now to do miracles, signs, and wonders. And Lord, you're alive and doing well and in this place. We thank you, Lord, as the Word comes forth, that, Lord God, there will be healings. Lord, as the Word comes forth, there will be deliverances. Lord, there will be salvations. Lord, there will be great ideas, creative ideas, and witty inventions that flow to your people. So thank you, Father God, that you give your people ideas from heaven, a revelation from heaven, and that you open our eyes to ignite us to cause a revolution. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I am Kent Pate, as uh, Brother Greg said, and uh, just to give you a little brief background, I was raised in a Baptist church as a young boy, grew up, thank God for the Baptist. I got saved in the Baptist church when I was 10 years old, gave my heart to the Lord, It was just within a year that my father passed away in an auto accident. And after that, I found myself running in the ways of the world. And as I found myself out in the world, I used to, I remember like it was yesterday, think, I am not supposed to be here. I wasn't raised like this. This is not how I was raised. I don't know how I got here, but Lord, help me to get back on track. Hallelujah. And he did, but it took some years later. But I'll I'll just uh, briefly tell you, that there was a day, a defining moment after marrying a wonderful woman, my wife Priscilla. We just celebrated uh, 25 years of marriage. Hallelujah. She's a gracious woman, and she's been very kind to me, and uh, we have three beautiful children. And uh, the day came in our life after we had two children that, uh, that you know, our marriage was, was on the line. And, uh, you know, it, it was a question of where, the, where, where were we going to go from here? Were we going to go forward with this marriage? And it, it was hinged on me. It was hinged on could I get my act together and be responsible and be a responsible adult, a responsible man, and a responsible father. But I was really struggling with a lot of pain from my past. I was struggling with the loss of my father. And I was, I was crying out to God in a little spirit-filled Methodist church saying, Lord, please, <laughs> I know there must be more to you. Please reveal yourself to me. I know you're not the problem. I know I've got problems and I need help. You know, the truth will set us free, amen? And when we're truthful with God and honest with ourselves, it will set us free. And I found myself, I was working for Emerson Electric at the time, and I found myself uh, being called by my company to do a job at Lakewood Church. And at that time, Pastor John Osteen, Joel Osteen's dad, was pastoring the church. And uh, they said, go to Lakewood. I said, Lakewood, we don't do churches. We do Texaco World Services. We do law firms, but we don't do churches. Churches don't buy our equipment. They said, oh yeah, they've just purchased the equipment. When I hung the phone up, I knew it was God. I knew God had a divine appointment for me. And I almost wept on my way to this church. And to make a long story short, I ended up meeting John Osteen through doing this job as a contractor for Lakewood Church. And one day, he laid his hands on me, me not having any understanding of what the baptism of the Holy Spirit meant. He laid his hands on me to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I did. And when I came home that afternoon, my wife looked at me from about 20 feet away when I came through the door and said, what happened to you today? And I said, I met the little bitty man in the great big church that we see on TV and see on the billboards around town. I met that man. She says, what were you doing at church? I said, I was at work. She said, I thought, uh, what are you doing? No, God worked all this out. Long story short, she said, whatever you got, I want it in my life. Hallelujah. It was a revelation. My my life was a little cloudy. Things were a little cloudy. Uh it, it was like I, I know there's maybe a few folks in here that can can track back with me in time. Do do you do you know the term rabbit ears? Anybody understand? And I'm not talking about two ears on a rabbit, I'm talking about two metal things that stick up on top of the TV set that you put aluminum foil on. Yeah. <laughs> Rabbit ears, I remember when color TV came out, when it was black and white, and then color came, and that color spectrum showed up, and you were trying to get a good signal, but there were only four channels. In Houston, it was channel 2, 11, 13, and things were a little snowy most of the time, and there was not a clear picture. That's how my life was with Christ. But you know what? The baptism of the Holy Spirit opened the eyes of my understanding, and it caused me to have a hunger for the Bible, and the Bible came alive. And one man told me, he says, you know what, you're never going to be the same again. When you go home, you're going to open this Bible up and it's going to come alive to you. And what he said is what happened. And I ended up praying for someone. I knew nothing about healing. I knew nothing about laying hands on people. I prayed for a neighbor. A miracle happened and that got my attention. And when that happened, I says, whoa, I'm not the same. Something's going on here. I mean, something is happening. And, And high definition revelation began to flow in me at that time. I want to take you in the Bible to uh, Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 and I want you to lift your Bible up, wave your Bible around and I want you to make this declaration with me and make Jesus glad and make the devil mad. Say, this is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, all-powerful, ever-living seed of the Word of God, I'll never be the same, never, 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 in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus a hand clap. You're sounding good today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now I'm going to re- be reading to you Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. After I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and this hunger began to burn within my spirit. I asked the Lord what He wanted me to do, and I soon found myself in 1995 packing up my three children and wife and moving to Jerry Seville School of World Evangelism. We pulled up, and I looked, and I said, is this a cult? What is this thing? They've got a barbed wire fence around it and this big bus out on this gravel parking lot, but on the inside, I felt like God is calling me here. I didn't know a whole lot. I just felt like God wanted me here. I felt like Abraham, and the Lord had a job waiting for my wife as the Uh, secretary to the dean of education there and I soon became within less than a month the outreach director really not having ever done that before but within a matter of 4 years we led over 35,000 souls to the Lord. We had over 35 outreaches a week. I didn't know how to do this with my head, but God knew it in my heart, and I began to pray in the spirit, birth things in the spirit, and God began to birth things through, and we were under a covering of evangelism and missions and going into all the world to reach people with the gospel. And we went into every man's world that we could figure out how to get into. We went into the ditches and the trenches and to the homeless people. We went into jails, prisons, and hospitals, winning souls, and telling people about Jesus. There's only one name that someone can be saved by, and that's the name of Jesus. Amen? And that is a revelation. It takes a revelation. It's not through good works. It's not through joining a church. Just like Pastor Osteen used to say, being inside of a church doesn't get anyone saved, no more than any of us standing inside of a garage makes us a car. Although the word's coming forth, we have to make a decision at some point and understand that Jesus is Lord and we have to receive Him and let Him come into our life and be the Lord of our life. Amen? No, I'm not just talking about our Savior, but I'm talking about Him being our Lord. I'm talking about submitting to Him and allowing Him to lead us. Praise God. Let's take a look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. The Bible says, For my determined purpose is that I may know Him that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of His person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from His resurrection which it exerts over believers, and that I may so share His sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into His likeness, even to his death in the hope. The Apostle Paul here is saying, I have a determined purpose. Hallelujah. This man that wrote this Bible, we're going to talk about him today. We're going to talk about the Apostle Paul. Who is this man? What happened to this man? Do you realize that this man, the Apostle Paul, we can track with him in the book of Acts and discover what happened to him? You know that the apostle Paul, whose his name was Saul, many of you know this, but at one time he was Saul of Tarsus. He was a very religious man. He was a Jewish man. He was actually a Pharisee. He had plenty of pedigrees. This man was cream de la cream. I mean, when you spoke Saul of Tarsus, people bowed the knee because he was honored. He was honored by the Jewish people. He was honored in that culture. But in the beginning of the church, when the early church started, realize and track with me here, Jesus is Jewish. Can you say that with me? Jesus is Jewish. He was raised in a Jewish culture. Jesus picked 12 disciples and all 12 were Jewish. 12 Jewish followers He chose. He prayed all night, 12 hours in a night. Every one that He picked had one hour of prayer. Say, couldn't you watch and pray with me? Couldn't you watch for an hour? Jesus spent through the night seeking the Father, saying, who are these? Do you realize that those 12 that He picked, the world probably wouldn't pick? Do you realize those folks that God picks sometimes are the very ones that people reject? Do you realize those that like Peter, James, and John, the local seminary would probably not have chosen them to go out and preach the Gospel and represent the King of the Jews. But God the Father picked These men that were the untouchables. These men that were just mere men transformed and changed the world and turned the world upside down. Sure they made mistakes. Sure they had challenges. They were not perfect people, but they were pressing into God and they had a determined purpose as to follow Him. To follow Jesus and follow Christ. And they began to follow Jesus as they walked around the Sea of Galilee and see Him open the blind eyes. They saw Him... Feed the multitudes. They saw miracles, signs, and wonders as the ministry of Jesus was in action around the Sea of Galilee and there was much opposition. There was plenty of opposition because the religious people of the day, the group that Paul or Saul was associated with, did not like the ministry of Jesus. They didn't like Jesus showing up and healing people on the Sabbath day. They had a lot of rules. They had a, reg- a lot of regulations. They had a lot of policies. But they didn't know him. They didn't know Jesus when he showed up on the scene. They gave him much opposition, but his followers followed him. Not all followed Jesus, but his followers followed him. And the day came where Saul of Tarsus had a transformation. I want you to track with me on, about this transformation in Acts chapter 9, verse 5. In Acts chapter 9, verse 5, the Bible said, And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goat. Listen, the act that took place was a resolution. This was a resolution that happened. I'm going to give you three primary points to this message today, and I hope that you can remember them. Three primary points to this message today. Number one, Paul had a high-definition resolution. Can you say that with me? Resolution. Let's say it one more time. Resolution. You say, what does resolution mean? I'm glad that you ask. It's the act of analyzing a complex situation into a simpler one. You know, Christianity is simple, but don't we make it complex at times? But Jesus showed up in Saul's life to just simplify the whole thing and just to blind him on the road to Damascus. And do you realize that Stephen had just been killed? As Paul was standing, Saul was standing right there and watched this man get stoned to death as we're tracking through the book of Acts. And as this man was stoned to death, Saul was right there and didn't say a word, which really says, I approve of what you just did. But Jesus didn't approve of it. And as he was walking down this road, Jesus got his attention with a bright light. Do you know that when you go into your house and turn on your TV set that it's taken years to come up with that type of resolution that you see on that TV set? I mean, today we've got 3D. Have you seen the new 3D commercials? Some of you have high-definition resolution. Some of you may just have standard definition But I know not many people have rabbit ears. (laughs) But I recall in the day that that... Do I have a witness in the house? I recall in the day where you're trying to watch a football game and up moving the antenna around on top and hold one leg up. You'd do anything to watch this touchdown, man. And everything was snowy and you couldn't get a good picture. And man, today, listen, that picture is crisp. It's clean. I tell my wife sometimes, I say, Look at this picture, the high definition. And look how many channels. You've got so many channels, man, you just get wore out looking for something to watch on TV. I remember back in the day there was four channels. Listen, today God is pouring out His Spirit like never before. And I want you to track with me today of why is He pouring out His Spirit. And I'm going to bring a revelation to you today that I hope that you can catch. And we don't have much time, but if I can just sow some seeds into your life, that you can grasp something like Saul of Tarsus grass, it'll turn from a resolution into a revelation. And from a revelation into a revolution. You follow me? See, it's one thing to have resolution on a screen to be able to see. Some people can't see that they need Jesus. Thank God that we've received Christ. If you're here today and have never received Christ in your life, I encourage you, please make that decision today to receive Christ. Jesus loves you. The Bible says in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but you shall have eternal life. Amen? But you see, we have a lot of people walking around with clouded vision. You see, Paul had a revelation that that's where he was And that's why he wrote many books of the Bible, two-thirds of the New Testament, to even say it's the God of this world that has blinded the eyes of men that they can't see that they need a Savior. It's the Jewish people that have been blinded. You see, when the Gospel began, it began with Jesus, the twelve, and then Jesus was crucified, He was resurrected, uh, He appeared to His disciples, He showed Himself to them, and then He ascended up into heaven. Then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit took place in Acts chapter 2. When that outpouring took place those 120 people that were in that upper room were all Jewish. After that there was about 3,000 Jewish people that were saved, after that about 5,000 Jewish people were saved. So we see some powerful things that happened that the church began as a Jewish church or a Jewish culture. That's that's the beginning of the New Testament church in a modern day world. Now what we want to do is we want to go back to the beginning, but we want to talk about our modern day world and where are we today and what does this mean for us? And what has happened over the last 2000 years? What is what has happened in history? Where is the church today and what is the purpose of the MJBI? What is the purpose of the Messianic Jewish Bible Institute? Well, I'll tell you the MJBI was birthed on a revelation. And the revelation that it was birthed is the very revelation that this man Paul received from the Lord. This revelation can be found in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. The Bible says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. So, what is it saying? It's saying, anyone who believes can receive this salvation. It doesn't matter where you are, where you've been, what you've done, what you hadn't done. Anyone, everyone, God is not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Every trunk, tongue, every tribe, every man, He does not want any to perish. So Paul is saying here to everyone who believes, now watch this, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. I can't tell you how many times I've preached that message, but stopped right there where it says to the Jew first. What does that mean, to the Jew first? Well, obviously Paul had a revelation and that was the ministry that Paul had is to minister to the Jew first. And even though it was rejected, he really poured his heart out to the Jewish people. But he didn't stop there. He went to the Gentiles. And we see that this transformation in Paul's life happened in Acts chapter 9. But do you realize that in Acts chapter 10 is when the Gentiles began to receive Yeshua as their Messiah. That's when the Gentiles started coming in this is when the engrafting in. Now, now, in Romans chapter 11, in Galatians and in Romans, you can get a lot of revelation about this is what I'm talking about today. In the book of uh, Romans, chapter 1, verse 16, we see to reach the Jew first. But throughout the book of Romans, you can see in, the, in chapter 11, you can see that the Jewish people were chosen by God Almighty. They are the root. They are the root of the the, the beginning of the church. That is the tree. But their unbelief has caused them to be as a broken off branch because of their hard-heartedness and because of them not receiving the Messiah. But do you realize the early church was Jewish and they were just followers of Messiah? They didn't look at themselves as Christians. They just looked at themselves as we believe the Messiah and we're believers and we've received this salvation. They were on fire for the Lord and they were just following the Lord. But when the, the Gentiles started to be reached over a period, the term Christian or Christian or Christ's follower began to come in, and some other change began to come into the church that wasn't so good. Some things have come into the church over the past 18 hundred years that I want to share with you to figure out why are we where we are and what are you talking about well I want to share with you some things that came into the church and they were very deceptive deceptive things came into the church over 2,000 years ago and I want to tell you two primary things that took place there's two theologies and they're even in the body of Christ today I have some information for you. And before you leave today, I have a book called Life from the Dead. It's a pamphlet. If you grab that book on your way out of the church today, this revelation is in there and you can study it for yourself. The supporting scriptures are in there. You can see for yourself where are we as a church because where we end up today in this message, I believe, is going to bring excitement to you. I believe it's going to bring revelation to you. I believe it's going to bring inspiration And there's going to be an education in this thing, in Jesus' name. Amen? One of the things that has happened in the body of Christ, this is an old thing that has happened. It's called replacement theology or supersessionism. Replacement theology or supersessionism. What does that mean? It basically is a blind spot that started with the early church fathers. It was something known as deicide. What does deicide mean? Deicide basically is God is finished with the Jews because they killed the Messiah. And this has been the source of many much agony for many Jewish people. You fallen with me? So deicide meaning that it's the Jews that killed Jesus. And God is going to punish them for killing my Messiah. Now I want to tell you where that began and, and how this thing is tracked out. This was much hatred and persecution in the name of Jesus. Murder in the name of Jesus. It began in the early church fathers as the gospel was spread to the nations. This was pretty much a non-Jewish church at that time. And Jewish people were beginning to get persecuted very heavily at this time in the church when deicide took place. We can look and see this through the Crusades. We can see this through the programs in Russia. We can see this in the Spanish Inquisition. We can see this in the Holocaust when six million Jews were terminated because of their belief in who they were. This was part of the deicide. These atrocities happened in the name of Christ. One Holocaust survivor said this, I was at the Holocaust and I was told by the soldiers there, the German soldiers, you killed our God Jesus. That's why we kill you. This was the deicide that came into the body of Christ and they thought they were doing a good thing by exterminating the Jews. But basically what it did is cause the Jews to think that that's what a Christian is. Are you tracking with me? So this stigma is still on the church within the Jewish culture. And for some Jewish people, it's been passed down for generations that they are fearful of Christians. Stay away from those Christians... They will kill you because they think that you're the cause of their Jesus dying. So they have it in for you. So do you see the barrier that we're challenged with, with reaching Jewish people? It's part of their culture. I've talked to Jonathan Burnus. He's a Messianic Jewish rabbi. He's the chairman of the board of the MJBI. When he received Christ, when he was in college, I mean, a lady witnessed to him, And he said, well, I'm Jewish. And he said, sadly enough, most people that I would say, most Christians that I would say I'm Jewish, they'd go, oh, I'm sorry, and walk off and not continue to persevere and press in and witness. Because what do you say to a Jewish person? Many of us don't know. Where do you start? What do you say? Where do I go from here? And for a Jewish person, it's it's time for you to receive Yeshua as your Messiah. Did you hear that? When you're talking, you have to talk their terminology and their code language. When they hear the name Jesus, it startles them. But when they hear the name the Messiah, they can track with you. So when you say the name Yeshua, when you say the name Messiah, they, the wall comes down. So it's just learning a little bit of terminology to share with them in such a way that it fits their culture that they can receive it because many of them know the Old Testament. They've never looked at the New Testament. It's forbidden. Can't look at the New Testament. Never seen. But I'm going to tell you something. Once they receive Jesus and look at that New Testament, it'll come up. It'll come alive like a like a HD TV set. It'll be a resolution that is so real and a revelation to them. And they're going to cause a revolution. Do you know the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit is going to be when the Jewish people come into the Kingdom of God and come back. Do you know as a Gentile, it's our job to go after Jewish people, to lead them to Yeshua through the love of God and compassion and and acts of kindness and prayer and just loving them and and letting God be God and let the Lord do His part, but us being mindful and understanding what has taken place and studying church history a little bit and getting an education and knowing what to do from here, praise the Lord. And so my purpose for being here is just to share with you some resolution so you can see a little clearer what the picture is here so that you can get a revelation of what's my part. And then so you can be part of the revolution that we're going to see in the body of Christ. Amen? Do you understand that the Jewish people coming into the kingdom of God is one of the things that's going to cause an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the return of Yeshua, our Messiah, back to Jerusalem? How many of you here at Granbury would like to see Jesus come back? Well, I'm not sure he's coming back to Granbury, but I know he's coming back to Jerusalem. Amen. And God is going to transport us to the place where we need to be. Amen. So reaching Jewish people is a direct connection with the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. These Holocaust survivors, there's about 12 years left to reach Holocaust survivors and then there'll be no more. Most of them are in their 70s or 80s. I recently led three or four to the Lord in Odessa, Ukraine. My wife and I went to Odessa, Ukraine. We also went to Budapest, Hungary. And I'm telling you, there's much opposition many times when you're witnessing to a Jew. Sometimes it goes that quick because the Holy Spirit's already touched their heart. But the opposition would be, "I, I don't know if I could trust God. Why would God allow the Holocaust? But do you know the Holocaust is becoming a myth that is being taken out of textbooks as though it never happened? But do you know it's important to understand and know that these things did happen and it's important for us to understand our part that we get to play in the body of Christ and it's our job to get a revelation and understand what is it we're supposed to do. Do you know that as a church you are connected to an organization that's reaching Jewish people around the world? The MJBI has ten locations around the world. And these locations are designed and geared to raise up Messianic Jewish leaders. You say, what's Messianic mean? It's a Jewish person that has received Yeshua as their Messiah. Once they receive Yeshua as their Messiah, the New Testament comes alive to them because they've already tracked through the Old Covenant and it begins to come alive with such resolution. And when they get the revelation, there's much opposition for them. Just as Jonathan Bernis, when he received the Lord, he was so fired up about receiving Yeshua, he started witnessing to his family, but they would have nothing to do with it at all. And he went to the Lord and he said, Lord, why did you lead me to the Lord? I mean, Susie Cream Cheese was persistent in reaching me with the gospel. You say, who is Susie Cream Cheese? We'll know her in heaven. <laughs> we will meet Susie Cream Cheese in heaven. Jonathan Bernus was led to the Lord by a young lady who was persistent and refused to give up and keep asking him to come to this Bible study, come to this Bible study. Do you realize the man that's a chairman of the board of the MJBI who's reached Jewish people all over the world, things that most of the body of Christ doesn't even understand what's going on, but there are some powerful things that are happening in Jewish communities around the world where many Jewish people, in the last 35 years there have been more Jewish people come to the Lord than ever in the history of the church. You know, Jonathan Burness when his family rejected him, I'm sure he felt like quitting. He felt like throwing in the towel. I got saved for what? I'm going to tell you briefly about Susie Cream Cheese. She persisted with Jonathan Burness. You need to hear this story. She persisted with Jonathan and would not back down, but kept asking him to come to this Bible study and receive the Lord. So he was on his motorcycle, drove to a Bible study and pouring down rain, got to the Bible study... And the whole time he's thinking, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. I don't know why I'm here. I'm standing at this stranger's door knocking and they open the door and I'm soaking wet and they invite me in. He goes into the house. They give him a clean, uh, dry clothes. He goes and changes. They put his wet clothes in the dryer. And they began to minister the gospel to him. And he says, I felt like this bright light was on me. And he said, I wanted to get out of there and I couldn't. And I kept asking, are my clothes dry yet? I need to leave. They said, your clothes aren't dry yet. Just hang with us. He said, I don't know what was wrong with that dryer, but it took two hours for my clothes to dry. But by the time my clothes were dry, I was ready to get out of there and I prayed with them to receive Jesus. He said, I don't even know if I meant it or not. I just wanted to get this over with and I wanted to get on my motorcycle and go home. Listen, the man prayed to receive Jesus that night not even understanding what he was doing. The first clue that something had happened in his life was when he went into the local convenience store to steal pistachio nuts and put them in his army jacket as he normally did. He walked out, got on his motorcycle and was driving down the road and a voice spoke to him and said, go put those back. And he had never heard that voice before and it startled him and he said, who is that? Kind of like Saul did. Who are you, Lord? We're talking a resolution. The Lord is making Himself known to the Jewish people through many different ways, whether it's visions, dreams, witnesses. He went back, He put those pistachios back on the shelf, and He realized He was changed. He opened the New Testament up, and the New Testament came alive. All the baguettes that we look at and get bored with, to a Jewish person, they're ignited about those baguettes because that means something to them because lineage is everything. He got this revelation, and then he ended up going to Russia and leading many Jewish people to the Lord through these events, these festivals called Hero Israel. And it was before the Iron Curtain came down, and he saw all these Jewish people receiving Yeshua as their Messiah. How did they do it? God anointed Jonathan Bernus. God gave him a word and told him to go have these festivals. When Jonathan had no money, God put a man in his life where they rented out these coliseums, and saw all these Jewish people come to the Lord, I mean come down to the altar, and when they received the Lord, Jonathan's now saying, what do we do with them now? You can't send them to the synagogue. Many times they might not fit in the church. That's where the MJBI was birthed. The MJBI was birthed, as many Jewish people came to the Lord, to teach and train and touch the lives of these Messianic leaders, and teach them how to raise up Messianic uh, uh, congregations, that are culturally relevant in Budapest, Hungary, in Odessa, Ukraine, in Buenos Aires, Argentina, uh, in Brazil. Uh, we now have two locations in Ethiopia, Addis Ababa and Gondar. We're talking about people from the tribe of uh, Lost Tribe of of Abraham and these lost tribes, these 12 lost tribes. We're talking about people are receiving the Lord and things are happening right now. Now, you are a part of that ministry because this church sows into the MJBI. So you need to expect a blessing to come on your life. Amen? I'm expecting this church to experience enlargement and for you to experience blessings in your life. The Bible is true. Hallelujah. The Bible says, I will bless those who bless Abraham. He's the first Jew or the first Hebrew. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob's name being changed to Israel. We sometimes think of Israel as that state or that body of land, that body mass. But actually when you think of Israel, it's a people group that have been spread all over the world. Every tongue, every tribe, every skin color that you can imagine, they've been scattered all over the world. But they are coming to Yeshua as their Messiah, and as they're coming to Yeshua, there is great revival that's breaking out in the nations, and it's going to cause a breakout in the body of Christ. It is a high-definition resolution. It is a high-definition revelation that not all people will receive, and it will cause a high-definition revolution. Can you say that with me? High-definition revolution. You say, what is a revolution? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked what a revolution is. It's a sudden, radical, or complete change. It's a sudden, radical, or complete change. This is what happened in Saul's life. This is what happened in Jonathan Bernis' life. For those of you... Uh, that have received the Lord, this is what's happened in your life. But there's levels and layers that we go through and there's revelations that come. Hallelujah. And so it's not just one revelation. And that's what Paul is saying. Do you understand that in Philippians 3.10, he had already met the Lord. He had been walking with the Lord. He knew the Lord. But he's still saying, my determined purpose is to know Him. Hallelujah. You may have been born again 20 years ago, but our determined purpose should be, I'm still getting to know Him. I'm still getting to know Him more intimately. I'm still getting acquainted with His person and who He is. Do you know Father Abraham, our father in the faith, met met God Almighty, but He only met Him as Elohim until He met Him as El Shaddai. That's when the miracle child was born. Do you know there's different dimensions of God that we've not yet seen or been introduced to? But as you get resolution on your screen... And who Jesus is, and you begin to get revelation in your heart, it begins to ignite within you and cause you to do things that you can't do in your own strength and your own power. And you begin to get empowered by the Spirit of the living God to do things that are beyond your mind, beyond your will, beyond your emotions. And it takes you to a place in the spirit realm to cause you to fulfill the plan of God in your life. This is what the Apostle Paul did. He said, When I'm Weak he's strong within me. (laughs) Praise the Lord. That's a good word. When I'm feeling weak, the power of God is at its highest. When I feel like I'm incapable, when I feel like I can't do it, I have the mind of Christ and I know that this can be done. So we're talking about having a resolution, a clear picture. We're talking about having a revelation. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, that, that, that my people... Well, the Bible says in Hosea 4.6, My people perish for a lack of knowledge. But it also says in Proverbs 29.18, it says, Where there is no revelation, where there is no revelation, the people perish. But happy is he who keeps the law or presses in or knows God. So we're not talking about perishing. We're talking about bringing life from the dead. Amen? We're talking about seeing people saved and transformed by the power of God. You know... This old thing called replacement theology or supersessionism has been a belief that started 1,800 years ago and is still in the body of Christ today. Replacement theology. Replacement theology. The other one is kind of new and it's called dual covenant theology. Dual covenant theology. You say, what do you mean dual covenant theology? It's like a train track. It's like a parallel track saying, if you're a Gentile, you must receive Jesus as your Lord. If you're a Jew, you got your own track. You don't have to receive Jesus. These, this philosophy has come into the church and crept into the church by many Christian Zionists that say the Jews have a separate way Let's support the Jewish people, but we don't need to lead them to the Lord. But the Bible says in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. Amen? So this is heresy. This is heresy to think that a Jewish person can go to, to heaven without receiving their Messiah. Amen? And so we need to know the truth because it's the truth that can set us free. And that's what receiving a revelation is all about, is receiving God's truth. And knowing the truth because it's the truth that sets us free. You know, there's a half truth here, and that half truth is the Jews did kill Jesus. It's a half truth. Let me share with you what the Bible says in Acts chapter 3, verse 11. This is when the first, one of the first miracles happened in Acts chapter 3 with those Jewish followers of Jesus. When, I love this scripture, it's one of my favorite scriptures where Peter Peter and John are sitting here and, and, and here's this man begging at the gate, beautiful, and they're going up for prayer. And, and he's begging and he's saying, I, I need some alms. And Peter looks at him and says, look at me, look at me. Silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man jumped up and was healed. Amen? Now persecution immediately came because they wanted to know where this power came from Those folks within the church, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all those folks wanted to know, you have this power. He said, it's not my power. The power is in the name of Jesus. The power comes from the Lord God Almighty. And watch what he goes on to say as they were persecuting. Acts chapter 3, verse 11. Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter... And John, all the people ran together to them, in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us? As though by your own power or godliness we have made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just, and asked for a murder to be granted to you, and killed the prince of life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name through faith, in his name, he has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him the perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance. You see, this is what he's saying. You did it but you did it in ignorance. You didn't know. You didn't have a resolution. You didn't see what you were doing. You didn't see who the Messiah was. You were blinded. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all of His prophets that Christ would suffer has thus fulfilled, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. There's one name given by which we must be saved. One name given by which we must be saved. Replacement or dual covenant has caused a terrible gap to bring the gospel to the Jewish people. But what we're here to do is we're here to tighten the gap up and say, no, we're going to do what the Lord has called us to do. Amen? Acts 3.19 says, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Listen, this time of refreshing is coming to the body of Christ now As we reach the Jewish people, God is doing something in their lives and He's going to do something in your life. As this climatic moment comes together, as we prepare for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's going to be great revival poured out, but this is one of the ways of pressing in to this revival. It's going to bring life from the dead. The salvation of the Jews is directly connected to the salvation of the nations. You can see this in the book of Acts. You can see this in Romans chapter 11. In verse 25 and 26, For I do, I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion that blindness in part has happened to Israel until, listen, the fullness of the Gentiles has come. Listen, that happened. This, this, this fullness of the Gentiles we've experienced, now there's a fullness that's getting ready to happen and be poured out in 1948. Israel was restored as a nation. And in 1967, Jerusalem came under Israel as a nation, as a state. And so what we're talking about is these powerful things that have been happening in our time and powerful things that are getting ready to happen. As we reach the Jewish people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we need to be reaching Jew. We need to be reaching Gentile. We need to be reaching folks with the gospel of Jesus Christ and fulfill what God has called us to do. My prayer for you today is that you would receive a high definition, resolution, a revelation, and that you would go out and cause a revolution in the name that's above every name. That you would see God use you in such a powerful way because He has a plan for your life. God loves you. God has a plan for you. It is specific. You have a DNA on the inside of you that is from heaven. God is pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh. And my prayer is for you today that the Holy Spirit would come upon you and bless you beyond your wildest dreams. That He would bless you. That He would keep you. That He would cause His face to shine upon you and give you shalom, shalom. May Yeshua, Hamashiach, bring you peace. May He bring you shalom. May He cause His favor to come upon you and surround you as a shield. May you see in your life the hand of God move And may you see things move and mountains move in and out of your way because the hand of God is upon you and other people will ask you what in the world is going on in your life and you will point to heaven and you'll go, it's Him. It's not me. The power didn't come from me. It came from Him. It's in that name, the name that is above every name, Yeshua Hamashiach. I believe that's what they said when they reached up to pick that man up in the name of Yeshua Hamashiach. Rise and walk and be healed in the mighty name of Jesus. God bless you. Now, now, who in here would would be interested in learning about what a Shabbat is on Friday night? What the young man, come here and get this book. Okay. So, if you want to find out more about a Shabbat, what is a Shabbat? You could go to www.mjbi.org, and this book is on that website. God bless you.
0: Wasn't that awesome? Aren't you encouraged by what's going on in the Jewish community and in our role as in part of that? Yeah, I'm encouraged as well. Would you just uh, join me? Extend your hands towards our brother Kent. as We lift not only him up, but also lift up the work of MJBI across the, the world. Well, Lord, we are just encouraged by the word we received from our brother this morning, Lord God. And we just thank you, Father God, for this man that you call Kent Pate, Lord. I just ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus, as does every minister in this room, we just ask, Lord, that you would continue to touch him and use him. Use him in a mighty and powerful and different way, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name as he ministers to those that that need the Messiah. Hallelujah. Father God, we lift up MJBI to you as well, Lord. We ask that you supernaturally and miraculously multiply their efforts to win your people across this globe, Lord. Bless each and every person involved in the ministry, Lord. Bless the ministry itself. Bless its leadership in Jesus' mighty name. Make sure that you take uh, uh, an opportunity to come and, and get to know Kent. He'll be out there in the foyer. He's got some giveaways for you. And have a blessed week. You're dismissed.